Sometimes for quote-unquote good Christians, we need a moment to say, God, help me connect to the ways that I have been drawn into being a slave to sin in my life. Because if, if you don't understand that, then it's very hard to understand grace. You got to connect to the reality and the honest truth of who you are, who you've been. If you're going to experience the joy and the freedom of what the gift of grace really means in your life. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. My name is Nicole Eunice and the good news continues this week as we are journeying through the book of Romans and this week we're on chapter six. Thanks everyone for being here with me today. I'm so excited for us to continue forward, loving you guys, loving our community. Um, I love that you guys are engaging over on Facebook. For those of you who are in our Facebook group, it's not too late to join if you want to jump in. But um, just yesterday I said, okay, who's keeping up? Where are we? Because six weeks in, that's a long time. So I want to check in and see, because really my heart and my hope is that you're reading your Bible. <laughs> that's Honestly, guys, that's what I'm trying to do here. I just want you to be reading your Bible and to be moving and engaging with God um, each and every day as much as you can. And, and by moving and engaging with God, that might be as simple as saying, God, would you be with me today? Would you make me aware of your presence today? But in the midst of that, so many of us are looking to understand, how can I know the voice of God in my life? How can I live following God? Well, God has given us his word. So in addition to that, just desire to say, waking up in the morning, God, I want to experience your presence today. If you want to hear God's voice, you need to know what it sounds like. And the way we begin to know God's voice is by being in his word. And that's what we're doing together here in the book of Romans. So I asked you guys who's keeping up. Edna's keeping up. Deb, Christine, Bobby, Stacy, Catherine, Adeline. Um, you guys are all kind of raising your hand and letting me know, hey, this is how I'm doing it. I love that one of you said, hey, I do it the other way. I listen to the podcast first, and then I read the chapter and then I listen to the podcast again. So whether you're reading the chapter first or second, uh, Sharon said, here's my favorite verses from chapter five, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Gosh, that's a good phrase from scripture, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Pam says, I can't put my Bible down. Love it. Some of you guys are lagging behind. That is okay. There is This isn't a race. It's just an opportunity for us to feel encouraged with one another and together. So pick that Bible back up if you've put it down. If you need to get back connected, we're in chapter six. You can start with us right now. You can catch up later if you'd like. But we're going to look at a passage from chapter six today right at the end of it. And it's the little piece that I read to you at the beginning. It's the same verse that we focus on in our reading guide as well. This week, that was verse 22 that I read to you about being set free from sin and the benefits of being set free from sin. So I want to read that um, whole passage, the context of that piece that we're going to look at in the chapter, and then we'll apply our Alive method and see where it takes us. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus 
There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So Romans 6, verses 18 through 22. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. But what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. Okay, so as we journey through, you guys are reading the whole chapter, and we're using our Alive method. The first question we ask is, what does it say? And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have spent a, a lot of time reading through this chapter and this passage, and I'm like, I feel confused. And if that's familiar to you, it's familiar to me too. When I Sometimes I can read a chapter or a passage and be like, oh yeah, I get where we're going with this, but for whatever reason, because of life, because it's it's deep because it takes a little bit of interpretation to get to. As I read chapter six, I was like, gosh, where is this taking us? How does this connect to chapter five? And where do I want to take you guys in this journey? So I spent a lot of time reading it. I'm like, okay, gosh, there's a lot going on. What, What do I cover? How do we cover it? And then I did, and I want you guys to know this because I want you to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. It is okay to be uncomfortable in Scripture. It is okay to read something and be like, I don't know what the heck that means. It's okay to be like, Ugh, what am I supposed to get from this? Or, gosh, this it's hard for me to reconcile what's being said here with what I know from the rest of Scripture. It is okay to be uncomfortable. That is why we have study Bibles, and that is why we take our time. Hey, you guys, if you could figure out the Bible on your own— <laughs> You wouldn't need God. Does that make sense? So we're not meant to just be like, oh, yeah, lickety split. I got that. It makes perfect sense to me. Because you know what we do when we're doing lickety split is we end up being independent of God. We we start living life out our own way, and that leads to pride, and that leads to destruction, and that leads to us not being dependent on our creator who made us. So one of the things about the Bible is it gives you a chance to be like, ooh, I don't 
know everything. This isn't easy. I do need God. I need God's revelation. I need his insight. So um, if you are uncomfortable at any point in your Bible study or in this in this study through Romans, I am too. <laughs> so we can be uncomfortable together. And so I'm looking and I'm like, God, help me understand what you really want us to know today in 2021. And I came upon a study note. So in the in your study Bible, hope you, hopefully you guys have a study Bible. In your study Bible, there's really extensive notes underneath the passages, right? And those notes come from commentators. They come from scholars. It's a group of people together, and they're sort of compiling the best of um, concise commentary on these verses all through the Bible. And that's why your study Bible can be so helpful. And I'm looking at a study note, and it's uh, right below chapter six at the beginning. And this is what it says. It says, hey, this next section of scripture, so from chapter six all the way through chapter eight, halfway through chapter eight, so chapter six, seven, and eight are changing now um, into a new section of the book of Romans. What we've been talking about up until this point is how the plan works, right? We've talked a lot about the plan. We're like, okay, here's a vision for what the good news means. The problem is sin. Here's the way that God solves that problem through Jesus Christ. This is what justification means. This is what it means that we're redeemed. We did that in these first few chapters. And now it's changing over. And this is what the study note says. Now we're going to talk about three things that happen for us to grow into maturity. So already I'm like, oh, okay, good. Now I have a framework. What we're doing now, guys, for the next two or three weeks is really talking about, okay, if we're justified, now how do we grow into maturity in Christ? And so the study note says we're going to talk about maturity in three parts. The first, freedom from sin's tyranny. Gosh, I love that word. Chapter six is about freedom from sin's tyranny. Now, the word tyranny means terrible rule, sort of uh, like a like a terrible dictator, like a horrible leader who is tyrannical and violent in their approach. So when you hear the word tyranny, I want you to think about that. And now we know, okay, chapter six is about how we get free from the horrible dictatorship of sin in our life. And then it goes on and says, chapter seven, we're going to talk about freedom from the law's condemnation. And then chapter three, life in the power, chapter eight, I'm sorry, third, third point, chapter eight, life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So I'm going to repeat that to you. First, we're going to talk about maturity in Christ comes from freedom from sin's tyranny. Maturity in Christ comes from freedom from condemnation. And maturity in Christ comes from life in the power of the Spirit. Whew, I went from confused to clear. That's what study notes can help you do. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need those things in my life. I want to understand how that works. Like, We're not just talking about God giving us a get out of jail free card. We're talking about how we actually continue to move and mature in Christ because of the kind of um, freedom that's going to come as we begin to engage in the power of the Spirit and how we're not just getting a get-out-of-jail-free card, but we're actually getting free from the dictatorship of sin in our life and from the guilt and condemnation of sin in our life. So here is a good moment, skipping ahead to like question four, what does this mean for me? It's good to connect to your before-Christ life and really begin to ask the question, in what way was sin 
controlling my life. Because what this passage is saying is that sin was controlling your life. There was only two ways to live. Chapter six tells us there is only two ways to live as a slave to sin or as a slave to righteousness, which means that in our before Christ life, we were living as slaves to sin. Now, for a lot of us, when we hear sin, the actual word that we think of is debauchery, meaning we think about like crazy, crazily wrong behavior, morally wrong behavior out there in the world. So we think about drunkenness, promiscuity, addictions, gambling, like all that. And when I say the word addiction, I mean living a life with unhealthy habits. Addiction is a completely different conversation, but obviously addictions lead to destruction in our life. But addiction is a is a disease, so that's separate. But what I mean by addictions is just drawn into whatever, gambling, pornography, shopping, whatever. Like that's how we experience sin as this moral debauchery. And, and yes, sin is that, but also sin is living into the kingdom of self, having myself at the center of the world, uh, living under the weight of fear and insecurity about what people will think of me, being a slave to people's approval, being a slave to achievement, being a slave to security. So sometimes for quote unquote good Christians, we need a moment to say, God, help me connect to the ways that I have been drawn into being a slave to sin in my life. Because if, if you don't understand that, then it's very hard to understand grace, which you guys have heard me repeat over and over again throughout this series. You got to connect to the reality and the honest truth of who you are, who you've been. If you're going to experience the joy and the freedom of what the gift of grace really means in your life. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So what does it say? I love that we get this flyover where we can say, okay, this chapter is about how we grow into freedom from sin's tyranny, right? Okay, so second question, what's the backstory? And what I want to talk about in the backstory is two parts, the imperfect analogy of slavery, 
Okay, so Paul admits that this analogy is imperfect. He says, I need to use a human analogy for you so you can understand, right? And then I want to talk about a helpful word that helps us connect to that, right? Okay, so in verse 18, um, Paul says, hey, you have become set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Verse 19, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. I just love the honesty of Paul. He's like, hey, you're not going to get this unless I give you an analogy. So here's the one I'm going to use. We know, of course, for us in 2021, hearing an analogy that uses slavery is super tough because we're, especially for those of us in America, we're in the middle of I think a, a gl- global reckoning of our true history and of colonialism and of what that means and the ramifications of that in our world and the fact that freedom has not been freedom for every everyone in America. And so when we hear slavery, it's hard to not just overlay all of that stuff onto this passage and be like, wait, what is happening here? So I think the really helpful word that we can focus in on to kind of understand this happens in verse 19, and the word is offer, okay? So to offer yourself would be to be willing, right? To be a willing servant. So I love to offer us as a way to understand this passage better to to actually, instead of saying slave, put in willing servant, okay? So because the word offer means that it would not have been done under compulsion. It wouldn't have been done um, out of duress. The idea that you would become a slave to someone. Let's think about that as a servant. I'm going to offer myself as a willing servant to this person. Now, imagine now that analogy used to describe sin and righteousness. And what Paul is saying is that you used to offer yourself as a willing servant to sin. And now in Christ, you are offering yourself as a willing servant to righteousness. And the idea here that I think we can grab in this What's the Backstory is that we are being compelled by something outside of ourself. That human nature is compelled by something outside of ourself. So we are looking to worship something. We are looking to follow something. We are looking to to place our energies in a direction toward something. And that's true of every human, whether they're a Christian or not, that that's what's happening in human nature. So you can grab onto that and reckon with that and think about that. And, you know, one of the things I love about the joy of being a mother is really getting to observe human development from birth to growth, you know, and see in children how this looks and how this develops and what draws them and what compels them and what does it look like to be immersed in this world and to receive the messages of the world and then to to see how we respond as human beings. And you don't have to look very far. You can look to your own family, you can look around, you can look at your own story to understand this idea that we are looking outside of ourselves. We are compelled by something outside of ourselves to give us worth and identity, to help us know that we're okay. And if that thing that is compelling us outside of ourselves is not righteousness, then that thing is sin. That we're being, and some of us are even, we're being compelled to be good enough on our own. 
I mean, that, that is sin. That is pride. That is self-righteousness. I'm going to figure out how to be good enough on my own outside of the grace of Jesus Christ. So as you can see, sin is deceptive and it shows up in a lot of different ways. But the thing that I think we can take today and, and the theory that I'm working with that I would invite you to work with is, are we a slave to something no matter what? Are we a willing servant of something no matter what? And the question is, who are you going to be a willing servant to? Are you going to be a willing servant to the slave, the tyrannical um, slavery of achievement, to the tyrannical slavery of approval, to the tyrannical slavery of appearance, to the tyrannical slavery of money? What is the thing that is going to compel you? Because something is compelling you. Something is always compelling us as human beings. And what we get offered in this beautiful and wonderful good news of Jesus Christ is that we're offered the opportunity to be compelled by something worth following, to be compelled by the one who is the only one who can actually handle the weight, the depth, and the beauty of our soul. And that one is Jesus Christ, that this idea of lordship in our life, it's not about who you're worship it's not about if you're worshiping it's about who you're worshiping are you worshiping yourself are you worshiping the idols that are present in our culture or are you worshiping Jesus Christ who are you going to allow who are you going to offer yourself to to allow that thing or person to be the lord of your life so what does it mean here's a couple of things i wrote down about what this chapter means for us what this passage means for us first of all We are free, not from sin itself. So this passage is not saying that you will no longer sin. We are free, not from sin itself, but from the enslaving, tyrannical nature of sin. So what do I mean by that? What I take from this passage as I read through chapter 6 and think about this example that Paul is giving us, that we can offer ourselves as slaves to righteousness, and we will reap the benefit of increasing holiness as we do that— is that we're not going to all of a sudden not be tempted. We're not all of a sudden not going to sin. We're not going to make mistakes. We're not going to be drawn into these other idols. That's going to continue to happen. But what we aren't anymore is enslaved by those things. So what we have in the power of Christ is the ability to break out of those patterns, to recognize those patterns, and to actually give ourselves to a higher power, to give ourselves to an actual power that can sustain us. Will we fall down? Yes. Will we get off course? Absolutely. Will it be difficult at times? Yes. Will we go through valleys? Absolutely. But we don't have to be enslaved by the tyrannical nature of sin over the long term. And I love, love, I don't want you guys to miss this incredible verse, verse 21. It's just, again, this logical argument continues where Paul is saying, hey, what benefit did you reap at the time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. So that's my second principle for today. Sin is deceptive in its charm, but destructive in its nature. I often talk to people who are like, why do the non-Christians get to have all the fun? And there's this, this this weird thing in Christian culture, which is if you're a Christian, if you're following Jesus, your life is less fun because you don't get to do 
the fun things. Now you can insert what the fun things, I don't know. I don't know what the fun things are, but you can do the fun things, probably morally, you know, moral behavior. That's not good. Right. And there's this sense that, oh, well, if you're following Christ, like life isn't as fun and you're not as fun and life isn't as good or adventurous or exciting. And that is so deceptive because I think that what's happening and the, the argument that Paul is building is like, hey, logically, you think that like sin is deceptive in that it's charming in the moment, but think back to it and ask yourself, what benefit did I reap from that? Like, when you think about if you've lived a life outside of Jesus, what benefit did you really reap? Where did it take you? You see, a lot of this stuff that we see out in the world, we think, oh, that looks fun. We have to ask the question, what kind of fruit is growing in that soul? Like, are you becoming more open-hearted, more generous, or are you becoming more fearful, more closed in, more paranoid? Um, Are you becoming more courageous, more loving, more kind, or are you becoming more sarcastic, more cynical, and more discouraged? You see, sometimes we can be, let's just take the example of sarcasm or, or, you know, like a funny show. So we can be like, all right, I'm going to watch this funny show, which I watch funny shows, get it. Um, I'm going to watch this funny show. It may affect me differently than it affects you, right? Like it may affect me where I'm like, wow, like listening to people kind of insult each other for 30 minutes as a way to decompress. Like what fruit is that leading to in my soul? Is it is it helping me wake up with joy and happiness? If not, like I, I don't have to be enslaved to that. This whole chapter is about how we get to wake up to the idea that we're being willing servants of all kinds of things. And it's a choice I make to offer myself as a willing servant toward righteousness. And righteousness is still a free and joyful and fun life because as Paul says, where is this taking you? We have to ask that question. What kind of fruit is being born in your life when you're not living a life towards righteousness and holiness? Because righteousness and holiness lead to an ever-increasing soul where there's more freedom, more joy, more presence, more wonder, more engagement with like the good that God has made in this world. And that is an amazing life. So if you're out there dragging yourself around and making it being real weird about holiness and righteousness, I just want to invite you to reconsider what holiness and righteousness look like in the freedom of the gospel. Because I think what it looks like is that you're just like a really great person to be around. I mean, people would want to be around you because you're, you're full of love and presence and kindness and you're you're, you're in wonder and in, and in enjoyment of the world in a way that actually is really beautiful and really fun. Okay, so what does it mean for me? That's the question I want to leave you with is, is what I just shared with you today is what does increasing holiness look like in your life? Because that's really the promise that we get at the end of this chapter is that this life um, where you are a slave to God, it, a willing servant to God, means that you are uh, reaping holiness and eternal life, okay? So you're going to be experiencing this this growing holiness in your life. Again, that's a big word that we could talk a lot about um, because I think a lot of people think that that sounds real um, weird and like you're going to be really a very unenjoyable person to be with, which means that we have got a real problem with the word holiness and the way we've seen it expressed is not accurate to what it is. Holiness means being set apart by God. It means I am living a life where I am a willing servant to God. 
And that means my life is not my own, that I have a Lord in my life, and that that Lord, Jesus Christ, is leading me to increasing love, gentleness, kindness in my spirit, and increasing presence in the world, and increasing enjoyment of the wonder of God. All of that is what's actually happening as I grow in holiness. And yes, sin is losing its appeal. I'm starting to see, my eyes are opened to this destructive nature of sin. What seems charming in the moment, I start to recognize as destructive. And in doing so, I am less drawn to it. I just am not drawn to it. And that's what happens over time as we begin to allow to offer ourselves as willing servants to God. Thanks, you guys, for being with me today. Very much looking forward to next week. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God and aren't we all praying the big prayer? Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.